Hi, I'm Ollie from near Philadelphia. I'm Cinna from Ohio. And this is Backlist and Chill, mm-hmm. where we read books and drink about it. I like how you said that last part. Like, this is Backlist and Chill? That's what it's called? Chill? Yeah. I'm having a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly almost said, hi, I'm so-and-so. The words in front of me from our script. <laughs> like, I just need to read this. I don't need to edit any part of it. No, I'm not Ollie. I'm just so-and-so from, and I'm like, near New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, near Philadelphia. That's what I say. (laughs) The United States? I'm from Earth. (laughs) Not a lie. Truth. Truth. Unless. I've got theories. (laughs) (laughs) So on that note, uh, this is season 11 We are talking about, I can read the book right in front of me here, L.J. Smith's Dark Visions. Good job. Thank you, thank you. This is volume one, The Strange Power. Mm, Hey, at least this title is vaguely descriptive. It's true. The power is strange. The next two titles, not so much, but at least this one. Like what, The Possessed? What is even the third one? The Possessed and the Passion. What the fuck does the pack? The passion sounds like a vampire diaries title. It It does does. not sound like a dark visions title. No. I've uh shake my fist at your titles. They're terrible. I'm very excited to get to Nightworld where the titles actually describe the books. Oh good. That is exciting. So So we drink here. We this is gonna make my life so much harder. Mm, I look forward to it. I love this no. because, like, I literally, like, you've not told me a single thing about the way I've you been feel about quiet. this book. I know. So, like, you could drink and forget literally everything, and I would never know. <laughs> I mean, like, I did, did I read this book? Um, you know, I kept everything in my own private server. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, they did say that they finished reading I it. know. I know. I told you, like, where I was, like, how many pages (laughs) I had left to go. Told you a very little bit about, like, when we first were trying to read it. And, like, I was going along and telling you stuff. And then I'm like, no, I think I gotta keep this close. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm so scared and excited and intrigued. You should be. Both of those So many emotions. (laughs) Anyway. So, we both have drinks. Um, I have a theory that we both made very similar drinks, even if they're not the same I am very curious because I think you're wrong. So continue. Oh, I'm excited. Okay, great. Because <laughs> I took a look at your drink and your drink was like what I was trying to do. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. tell me about your cool drink, Ollie, which also looked cool in the pictures. Thank you. As always, we are still trying to get through that Wollersheim dance hall. <laughs> this time I put in some Seagram's ginger ale because gosh, you know, I love my ginger ale. Yeah. Then I put some Gatorade Blues. What's it called? It's called Glacial. Ah, the good glacial one. Ice. Glacial Freeze. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I love me some blue drink. The blue Gatorade is the best Gatorade. It is. I like the real pale blue, but the regular blue is also good. Yeah, I think this is the super pale one. Yeah. Because there was a more blue one, and. I, I didn't want that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, to make this extraordinarily blue, mm-hmm. I raided my housemate's cabinet, his baking cabinet, and found some blue gel dye. Yes! Yeah. So I put it in because I wanted it to, like, stick to the edges. Didn't work. So I just... <laughs> 
<laughs> shook it up. I'm like, fuck it. And this is my, I'm calling it witch eyes. Oh, it's beautiful. I really love it. It is so blue. I was so, so blue. I think I put like four drops in. It's so blue. <laughs> I was like, what is Ollie drinking? Their drinks are never this colorful. No, they're not. It's And, and it was supposed to be blue and it is blue, but then I made it more blue. And then yeah. There's a little drink. I'm going to try it. I haven't tried it yet. I have no idea if it's good or bad. Yes. Bless. I can't taste anything. And it's not the Coke. Because I'm healed, I can taste again. Oh, did I tell you I lost my sense of smell for eight and a half days? I feel like you did. Okay, I think it just needs more ginger ale. Okay, that is interesting that you taste neither the ginger ale nor the Gatorade. No, it's just like cold and a little <laughs> sweet. <laughs> it, tastes, it tastes cold. I mean, you shush. <laughs> it's like when you drink... A refreshing glass of water on a hot day, kind of cold, where you're just like, mm, that's just water. It's just cold water. It's been sitting for a little while, so like maybe the ice melted yeah. onto the top. Yeah, so I'm going to add a little more ginger ale. Okay, I think that helped. I can now taste some of the the licorice of the absinthe. And I think the, the just cold flavor <laughs> is the Gatorade. <laughs> You know what? That is fair. Gatorade can be a little a little weak sometimes. Yeah, just getting to quenchy. Yeah. So I would say not bad. I don't think anyone in the world is going to order that drink <laughs> um, because you would need to have absinthe and blue Gatorade on hand. But um, <laughs> tasty, and I think it looks really cool. I really like the color blue. It's the kind of blue that I just want to stare at all the time. Yeah, I so that's like the biggest appeal of like Gatorade to me is the mm-hmm. color. Like you just want to yeah. drink that color, right? Like just just stay with me, color. So forever. There's, <laughs> there's a particular cleaner that is like a beautiful purple, and every time I go down the cleaning aisle, I'm like. Don't drink it, 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 don't drink it. Because it, it looks... I'm going to drink it. It looks like a pretty Gatorade. I'm like, I really yeah. want to drink it or maybe just paint everything with it. Oh, um, yeah. But it is not to be. So... No, alas. The world says, don't toxic. <laughs> the world. The world doesn't approve of our love. <laughs> I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> Staring at beautiful crayons and I'm like mm, I just want to eat you don't do it <laughs> don't, don't do it because of the world not because of any particular health concerns but because yeah. society doesn't approve society says don't <laughs> I will count to society in this one specific topic fine society <laughs> not because my doctor said don't do it but because well society your doctor's disapproves. part of society let's just be honest that's fair that's fair the doctor is an enforcer of social norms <laughs> society's norms <laughs> <laughs> fucking enforcers <laughs> and that's why i'm not allowed to drink cleaner <laughs> so since you can't drink cleaner what are you drinking Alas. Okay. So I looked up, you know, you would think that this book would be like easy to find a relevant keyword to base mm-hmm. a drink around, but like looking for like psychic-y stuff or crystal-y stuff, not helpful at all. Hmm. I would think crystal would have a lot. 
You would think, but it's mostly like, here, put vodka in your crystal light. And I was like, mm, not quite. <laughs> so I'm like, ooh, you're not trying. I went with my first choice, which was a third eye. Oh, I love it. It's very good, right? But the I had to go out and buy a special $25 bottle of liqueur to do it. And as per tradition, it was disgusting. I hate that you keep buying these fancy bottles and you're just like, why? Well, it's just a symbol of my, um, you know, capitalist decadence uh, <laughs> that I buy $25 bottles of liquor that I know, I know I'm not going to like. But it's funny because $25 is not that expensive. It feels expensive to for me. For people who drink. Well, I guess that's fair. No, it's totally expensive. Fuck that noise. <laughs> But people who drink are like, 25 bucks. Talk to me when it's 75. I'm a $10 bottle of wine, girl. Like, that's really all I need. Not even 10. (laughs) I can get away with like an $8 bottle. It's fine. (laughs) I'm like, here's my $20 of absinthe that I'm going to drink for the next two years. (laughs) Right, right. Anyway, so the original recipe was for gin, uh, creme de violette, which is a floral liqueur, club soda, grapefruit juice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think that's it so i made it and shock of all shocks it tasted like drinking soap obviously it's floral <laughs> liqueur i should have known i did know i did it anyway <laughs> you're like aesthetic i took my picture i took my 25 dollars picture and <laughs> I drank one drink, and then I poured Cinda it down the drain. Cast people. I do. And then I got my $8 bottle of wine. Okay. See, I knew it was going to be wine. Yep. You you know. I got some peach wine. It's pretty oh, good. Oh, shit. That sounds good. It also just tasted like cold, but I think that's because it's had ice in it. Ice has been yeah. sitting for a while. Well, I'm glad you got that beautiful picture. See, that's Thank what you. I was trying to aim for with the witch eyes. I wanted the kind of, like, layered effect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I was just like, this is not working. Shake it. (laughs) (laughs) It's really hard. It's hard to get layers. You have to, like, do some fucking tricks. They tell you if you, like, drizzle it over a spoon, it'll settle on the top. But that has rarely worked for me. (laughs) Yep. But I was shooting for that bright purple of, like, the omnibus cover in the house. And I think I got that. Okay. Okay. I mean, I think it's a beautiful picture. Thank you. That's really all that matters. My $25 was well spent. Hell yeah. It's gorgeous. I like it quite a bit. Thank you. All right. I'm going to read the blurb from the Goodreads, and then you can tell me whether or not it's the same one as the back of the book. I got it. Let's do this. All right. The Strange Power, Dark Visions Number 1 by L.J. Smith. They said she had evil eyes. Eyes that saw what was not meant to be seen. Caitlin Fairchild was frightened by her uncanny talent, by the prophetic drawings that isolated her at school, until she was invited to California to attend the... How do you pronounce his name? Zetas. Like Catherine Zetas Jones. (laughs) Attend the Zetas Institute with four other psychically gifted students in return for a college scholarship. It was a chance to begin again, to belong, a great adventure with the promise of romance, with Rob, irresistible yet strangely innocent, with dark enigmatic Gabriel, 
until they learn the truth about an experiment that threatens their sanity and their lives. All they have is each other, and a perilous psychic link that can save or destroy them all. Spoilers! I know! I'm so glad I don't read these until after. The the link was for sure a, like, three quarters of the way through the book curveball, so... Yeah. Like, they didn't learn about the experiment that might threaten their sanity until at mm. least halfway through yeah and then the the link happened at that mo- same time so like yeah i'm mad at you blurb <laughs> i mean it's accurate we have to give it Extremely. credit for that yeah no it, it it's like half synopsis half blurb it like ends like a blurb even if it's a synopsis yeah and that's there's one thing about this book is that it is it takes some turns so yeah it's kind of it is kind of shitty to throw those terms on the back of the book, right? It's been like here you go, but we won't get to it until page two hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I hope you weren't waiting for this from the outset. Yeah, glad I didn't read that before. How does it match up with the one you have on the back? Yep, it is exactly what it is on the original uh, paperback. Excellent. Want to tell us about? Well, oh, so you have the nice a nice cover. I have. An omnibus. It has like a kind of um, wood dust smell right there mm-hmm. in the book crack. <laughs> you said crack. <laughs> <laughs> I'll confess I love to say it. <laughs> yeah, it's got, I it's got some... confess. <laughs> it gives me the giggles. <laughs> I do say. What? what? <laughs> Surely good. <laughs> this crack. <laughs> it looks like my copy is from 2009, interestingly enough. I mean, that's still pretty old. Yeah. But it, it doesn't have that vanillin book smell. Mm-hmm. It just has like a, I've been sitting in a warehouse waiting for you <laughs> book smell. <laughs> I've been waiting for like, you. Waiting for me. It really, it, it really smells like... So I have this sense memory of just being in the wood shop at the Halloween park mm. while people were building sets and that that cast off from the, the saw of, of wood dust. It's like that smell. And it's like, that's not what I want out of a book. But that is a it nice is a smell. smell, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. How about? Uh, oh, and then the cover is just some girl who is nobody from this book. Right? She doesn't even have red hair. Like, how dare you? Right? No. She has blonde hair. You can't even see her whole head. I feel like you could stick your hand back there and use her as a puppet. (laughs) That's what's so frustrating about those covers. Like, you have one job. Just get (laughs) a single red-headed white lady for the the cover. (laughs) Like, that's all you have to do. You can even fake it. Just, like, make it red. I don't care. Right? Like, I just go in Photoshop, get that brush, just do a little stroke stroke. Oh, shit. Okay, but here's the thing on the cover. Okay. It says, not all vampires are out for blood. Mm-hmm. Like, is that supposed to be about Gabriel? Yeah, he's a psychic vampire. But, like, that's not, that's mentioned once. And he's like, they, they called it psychic vampire. And I was like, this is not a vampire book, guys. It comes back up, so it's all not right. inaccurate. All right, well, it's just, it seems very peculiar having read 250 pages of this fucking omnibus. To look at the front and see the word vampires. 
it does make sense, though, if you're, like, repackaging these on the back of the Vampire Diaries. Yeah. Anyway, my cover is, it's not terrible, but I wouldn't have picked it up and oh, thought yeah. psychics. Nor would I have picked it up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Fair enough. Tell me about your cover. Um, so I have, for the majority of my life, had the, um, Bill Schmidt omnibus. Bill Schmidt, our boy who does the Fear Street covers. Fuck yeah. Uh, this was published in 1998, and it very much looks like a Fear Street cover. I really love it. Um. Seeing your, seeing your cover, it really does. Do you see the, the purple one? You had posted it before. Oh, no. So that is a different one. I actually, for the purposes of the podcast, went out and got the original paperbacks. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. But there's a an omnibus that I got when I was a kid that is done by Bill Schmidt. Oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. Okay. I had seen this one. I think when you were maybe posting about what is the, oh, the yeah. classic Dark Visions to make the cover. Oh, man. Look at the two of them in the corner. That's too funny. Right? It, it's very, very Fear Street. Got a Fear Street vibe. He has stolen their bodies. Now he demands their souls. That seems very inaccurate. Um, <laughs> uh, that is something I love about these covers. Is it's like, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's not a spoiler. Cause it's probably wrong. <laughs> right. It's a lie. I do also love that presumably Mr. Zetus is like a weird robe ghost. I love it. But I do appreciate that Caitlin is very fierce looking on this cover. Uh, on be. every other cover, she looks just like a doe-eyed cracker. <laughs> I mean, mine is literally a pretty blonde girl who looks just... like she's going to tell me I can't sit with her. <laughs> Caitlin would never tell. Well, she might tell you that, honestly. She would she would turn her witch eyes on you and you would just roll over and show her your belly. <laughs> Honestly, we'd probably connect because like I drew a lot in high school and I was made mm-hmm. fun of for like all my drawings. Oh, there so you I'd go. So we probably See? connect over that. I feel like this is LJ reaching out to the uh, alienated teenager and all of us. We're all like, Caitlin, I would be your friend. <laughs> As opposed to fucking Elena fucking Gilbert over there. <laughs> Right, Elena doesn't need us. Caitlin needs no, us. We we get Caitlin. And I think that's what I dislike about my cover so much is this girl looks like she would hang out with Elena and be yeah. like, "I'm gonna suck up to Elena." It's actually a picture of like Sue Carson. Oh God, poor Sue. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah. So I've got I've got two covers. I have the omnibus cover, which is the one that I personally prefer because it's the one I grew up with. Yeah. And then I bought the original cover, which has a very, like, romance feel to it. Aside from the font, they went with a very horror font. It's a weird combination. But see, I do think that this looks like a Fear Street one. Or maybe I'm thinking of Christopher Pike. Yeah, I could see Christopher I Pike. I think it's Christopher Pike. It definitely has more romance vibes, because it's got, like, I assume that's Caitlin and Rob, I would guess. God, he looks terrible. On like a cliff at sunset and she's wearing this awful, awful dress and white tennis shoes. Ugh. <laughs> and her hair's like blonde again. Like nobody can recognize again. that this girl's a fucking redhead, even though LJ talks about it constantly. Yeah. We are not allowed to forget. Like even her eyes don't look exceptionally interesting, which is like her most distinctive feature. Again, right? You're Come like, on. Hello. You've got one job. 
And Rob looks like he's 40. That, I think the boy behind her is supposed to be Gabriel. Well, whoever he is looks like he's 40. He does. He also definitely looks like he was in the starting cast of 90210. Hell yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they both do. Her hair oh, is very big. Oh, but that's big. cool. I just zoomed in on your picture and noticed the three other faces in the corner there. Oh, yeah. I, that's what I was saying, though. Like, this... This has such weird vibes. It's got, like, the dreamy romantic vibe. It's got, like, the lifetime of the week stalker (laughs) vibe. It's got the floating heads vibe. It's very strange. Yeah. So. Not not sure what they were going for here. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of this particular cover. Yeah. I feel like they could have leaned in a little heavier on some of these elements. Oh, I do. I feel like it's worth mentioning the UK covers, especially now that you've actually read the book. Mm-hmm. They are the single most accurate cover set. I remember I had read like the first chapter or so, and there was like the image of the spider web mm-hmm. with the kids screaming on one of the drawings. And I was like, yeah, this feels like they gave a shit. They're so accurate. Like, every single cover has very specific things from the book. Oh, God, the electrodes. You have the draw- third eye Her drawing with the third eye, her drawing of the person with the jacket, her drawing of the kid with the spider web in front. Right? What are those two little dot things? I don't know. I need to make it bigger. A gift and a curse. Hmm. Maybe pins? I actually can't tell. But yeah, I'm assuming that, like, I'm looking at stuff and it's like, mm, I don't know what happens, but it's that, clearly. Yep. So I, I think we all just need to take a moment to really, like, give it up to whatever artist did these covers because they clearly gave a shit. Yeah. Need to hunt, track it down and just be like, let me look at the inside of this book. Thank you. Okay, that <laughs> artist. Good. Goodbye. Right. Yeah, no, that is so accurate. Good on them. Good on you, England. I wonder how long it had been since the books had come out. If the person was just like, I can literally go look up some reviews and get some ideas. I I think that would assume that, like, somebody did, like, reviews of these. Fair. (laughs) We don't know because the internet doesn't have any record of it. (sighs) This book never existed. Too funny. All right, so those are the covers. Now let's yep. just talk about the book. Ollie, I'm so curious. Okay, so how do you want to talk about this? Well, I mean, I personally want to know what you think, but the format of the podcast is that we do a recap, so I don't know. Maybe it would be better if I discussed a little bit sure. about like my experience reading it so that when we then talk about it... Sure. Okay. So, I think that my problem is I am too genre savvy for this book. Okay. Because nothing surprised me, except that they were stuck in the link. Okay. Everything else was like, yeah, obviously. Yeah, I've read Gen 13. (laughs) Really? Was Gen 13 really your keystone here? It was. Um, (laughs) like... It wasn't exactly Gen 13, but just as soon as we met Mr. Z, because I couldn't fucking pronounce his name, mm-hmm. I'm like, hello, Professor X Standin, who is actually the stand-in for the old dude in 
Gen 13. I'm guessing you're evil. Look how evil-coded you are. You have two big Dobermans or something, or Rottweilers or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you've named them Prince and Baron. How sweet you must be. So, like, from the moment he showed up, I didn't trust him. From the moment we met Joyce, was that her name? Mm -hmm. From the moment we met her, I'm like, you're like if Elle from Legally Blonde was evil. Because <laughs> uh-huh. I didn't fucking trust her either. Mm-hmm. The way she talked about things, she was just so unbearable. Every mm-hmm. minute of her was unbearable. <laughs> so, like, there was ever a moment towards the middle of the book where I'm like, maybe I have it wrong, and it's just Joyce who is evil, and Mr. Z is not evil, and he's just so villain coded that, like, mm-hmm. I'm falling for this red herring, and it's only her. And ultimately, I was like, no, haha, I was right. <laughs> They're both evil. The shit with Marisol, the the gal who had, like, been helping him from before. I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Why would you keep working for this dude? Mm-hmm. He's clearly evil. And you know he's evil. And, like, every scene with her just felt so flat. And then Caitlin... First off, it took way too long to get to anything interesting. Mm-hmm. But I never got a handle on Caitlin's character because she just felt really flat. Mm-hmm. And like, she at least seemed nicer than Elena, but she was not nearly as interesting as Jenny. Okay. And I don't even remember anyone from Secret Circle, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> She's more interesting than them. Well, yeah, you're more interesting than them. And like... You know, I appreciated that she was an artist. I did appreciate having, you know, just fucking read Promises to Keep that I did believe that Caitlin was an artist. Right, because she did that, that thing about talking about art stuff, yeah. Yeah, she talked about art stuff and colors, but it actually made fucking sense. <laughs> um, but where she failed for me was, like, instantly falling in love with Rob. Yeah, yeah. Um, It was so awful. And then, like... At first I was like, oh, she's being nice to Gabriel. This is good. But then she's like, my pride. Like, she didn't say that, but it's what it fucking felt like. Where she's like, I'm going to stand up to Gabriel. I'm going to go into his room. And I'm going to talk to him and show him that I'm not afraid. And I'm like, my pride. (laughs) I was just like, why are we doing this? Why can't you just be a nice girl instead of needing to, like, prove yourself? And then there was my timeline shenanigans. Oh, no. Where once they arrived at the... Institute, which is Mm -hmm. literally just some fucking Victorian house that everyone's living in. I'm like, so it's a commune. (laughs) Uh, It was four days Mm -hmm. until it was like Tuesday where they got the psychic link and learned all the stuff about the basement. I know, I'm just jumping ahead. Spoilers, whatever. Who cares? And then (laughs) there was was no character build up on that. It was just like suddenly everyone liked each other. Anne is so graceful and gentle. And Lewis is so smart. And Rob is so handsome. And Gabriel's so broody, but I'm gonna... I can make him better. (laughs) And then we just skip ahead after they're linked. A week went by where everyone tried to do this, that, or the other thing. And Gabriel stayed away from us. I'm like, this is when you can connect. This is when, like, it would be earned instead Mm -hmm. of just, like... I've known you for two and a half days, but I would die for you. Like, (laughs) Also, the writing was terrible. Okay. The writing was so fucking awful. I I wanted to edit every fucking sentence. (laughs) (laughs) In like the first three chapters, I was like, what is this? 
It was such passive voice bullshit. And I'm sitting here going, you were good in Forbidden Game. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful to read about. Your writing was good. And maybe it's because they, like, ever went to school or something. Or, I, like, I didn't feel like there was anything happening mm-hmm. with this writing. It was bad. Like, I, I would have been like, okay, Lisa Jane, um, thank you for turning in your rough draft. <laughs> Let's edit it now. Mm-hmm. But no, this shit got published. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I hated reading every fucking chapter Aww. of this book until they finally got connected. Mm-hmm. At which point, like, I hated it a little bit less. And then I was actively interested once she got in the car with Gabriel and Mr. Z. Wow, that is so far into the book. It is unbearably far <laughs> into this awful fucking book. <laughs> Um, but what I will also say is that the farther I got away from having finished reading this, because I finished reading it, um, today's Thursday, I finished it on Tuesday, mm-hmm. the more I liked it. <laughs> okay. I like is- the idea. The more I am away from having to actively read these motherfucking words, <laughs> the more I like the concept of this book. Okay. So I like the concept I am intrigued to see where it goes, <laughs> but I felt like I was reading a Saturday morning cartoon. That's wild. Okay. So, I mean, obviously I've read this a bunch of times before. It's, yeah. It feels like it's been a while. I had issues, obviously. Some some that are the same as you. Um some that are maybe the same as you, but we you did not mention. But I definitely didn't notice anything about the writing. It just felt like pretty standard LJ writing. I think because I've been doing so much editing lately. I mean, for sure. You are definitely like editor brain. I don't notice shit like passive voice <laughs> at all. It's hard when it's like you're reading this published book by this multi-published international bestseller and going... Not like, you know, I've got fanfic writers who write better than you, but like, no, actively, I have fanfic writers who should be published (laughs) if this is what's getting published. Like, these people are so good. Why can't they get published? So, okay. I think of all of LJ's books, this feels the most Fear Street to me. And not, not just because of that one cover. I think that that is sort of maybe where... The writing level is at? Yeah, because if you're looking at writing in, like, 94, I think, is when these were coming out, you have Christopher Pike, you have L.J. Smith, you have, you know, you have the other, like, yeah, Bob. pulp authors. Yeah. If I'd went into it expecting a Fear Street novel, mm-hmm. I think I'd have a lot less issue with the writing and the characters. I would still be, you know, obviously I don't give them a pass, because we've had those discussions. Mm-hmm. But... I could at least look and go, this is for middle schoolers. Right. Forbidden Game was just too good. It was just too good. It set my standards way too fucking high. I was expecting (laughs) at least, if not better, writing than Forbidden Game. Nope. It just feels very, very par for the course to me, personally. Oh, and then the fact that, like, Forbidden Game, like, it wasn't a full story in the first one, but I did feel like you could read it and wait a month. And be yeah. like, yeah, it was a full story, and if I never found the rest of it, I wouldn't feel like 
I was missing anything, even though you mm-hmm. would because there's so much more that happens. <laughs> right. This one is like the the bullshit from Secret Circle and Vampire Diaries, where it's yeah. just one third of a 700 fucking page book. Yes. Yeah. And because there's just so much boring bullshit that happens until anything good gets going, mm-hmm. it made that extra upsetting mm-hmm. to be like, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your words on this? <laughs> Do you have to end it there? Could you move along and get to the interesting shit and then write more interesting shit and chop it later? Like, what about your plot must end here? It was a super protracted first act and the climax did come out of nowhere. Like, I mean, okay. Oh, yeah. Suddenly it was the end and shit was happening. You're like, oh, wow, cool. This is not the pace I have been dealing with. Right, like I get where she was going with it because the the escalation of the link was like the triggering factor there. Like I get yeah. why we moved along, but it was like very suddenly like, oh, this is the end now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, thank God, because I am ready to be done with it because it's like 250 <laughs> pages. But I would have been happier if we got there faster so I could be excited about this ending. I'm very curious how you're going to feel about the next ones because I obviously I haven't read them in a while but mm-hmm. they, they I do think it is one long book so yeah no for sure it doesn't feel like it's not it does, it does not feel like that it's it's one long book okay but we should we should briefly rewind and do a quick recap so Dark Visions is about Caitlin Fairchild she lives in Ohio shout out um <laughs> And she has uh, precognitive visions that she translates into sketches um, that's also sort of like automatic writing, like she can't really control them. Um, But her sketches always come true, which make people in her backwoods town think that she's a witch. She had very uh, Jessica Aladola vibes for me, except... less shitty like she's yeah, a she's better like version the jessica that should exist because she wanted to go to the parties she's a less cartoonish version of jessica but i did like every time she like stared somebody down i'm like mm, it's such a jessica <laughs> move i'll use my eyes on you because i know you don't like them <laughs> and we've looked up the pictures of these eyes and it's just like okay and right they're just they're actually very pretty eyes i don't know why right? everybody's so weirded out you would think people would be like oh my god your eyes are so cool I mean, that's that's also part of what's very Jessica, right, is that she's just like, oh, I have beautiful red hair and these very interesting eyes, and I'm so and desperately attractive, but nobody and likes me. I'm such me. a good artist. <laughs> right. But she never but, feels like Jessica unbearable. No. She, it, I, so I really like Caitlyn. I feel like Caitlyn is LJ's intentional step into a prickly unlikable heroine like we all know elena sucked elena fucking Mm. gilbert we all know it we also all know that lj worships the ground that elena walks on yeah she'll never let that go i feel like caitlin was lj being like what if i write a bitch what would that be like (laughs) she doesn't feel bitchy to me though caitlin is caitlin is very mean She's very mean, Ollie. <laughs> is she? She is. She is like low-key Jessica, just not as terrible. But she like, I don't know. She has very unkind thoughts about people like pretty constantly. 
I mean, that's fair. I think I got so... My eyes were rolling too much about how much she loved Rob, but also was irritated by him constantly. Well, all of the the prickliness kind of goes away once she gets to San Francisco and, like, everybody's nicer and she doesn't really have a reason to be prickly. But, like... <laughs> oh, good. She, she, was, she was very mean to her Ohio classmates. I'll just put that out there. Uh, yeah, that that's fair. That's fair. So she is recruited into a psychic experiment they don't even like downplay that they like literally tell her principal right she's psychic joyce is just like oh my god isn't this great you're psychic and you're like what why are you telling this in front of the principal why are we going to the dad's house and and meeting her there like it felt so bullshit that's what i loved the most about that exchange was that they're like halfway through or um i almost called her jessica (laughs) halfway through caitlin was like I, I can't go because my dad. And I was like, why are they not talking what to her dad? dad? Why, right? Why, did she, why guardian, does she though? have final say? Like, if Caitlin says yes, then they're just going to abduct her, whether her dad they says would. yes or not. They fucking would. I mean, yeah, we, we know that now, but like. <laughs> no. It's very funny. It's very, like, kid logic, you know? Like, well, if you, I say yes. See, this is what I mean by the it felt like watching a Saturday morning cartoon. Mm-hmm. Where you're just like, no, that makes zero sense. So she's recruited into this study and taken to San Francisco, where she meets uh, four other kids who all have different powers and they're all uh, different ethnicities. So we have like a real Captain Planet situation here. Except that three of them are white. The people that she's not interested in hooking up with, they can be people of color. Well, listen, there's a whole discussion we can have about Anna and Lewis and the roles that they play and how their oh, ethnicities yeah. play into mm-hmm. that. Correct. Um, but yes, you are correct. The romantic characters are all white. Yep. And that was another thing with Julian where it was like, I know he was ultimately white, but he he was an otherworldly creature. <laughs> and then like Tom was a white dude fucking tom yeah i mean all of lj's romantic people i cannot think of a single character of color who is a romantic interest so that's Ugh. just that's just lj Ugh, i'm so sad for that yeah yeah you're right because d doesn't get a romance nope but all of the other white kids in the group all six of the other white kids hook up mm-hmm. or are already together I, this just has to be in LJ, the way you're that, so fucking racist. This it, it super is though, because it's just the way that she conceives these characters, right? Like she conceives Dee as like a kick-ass black girl who doesn't right. Oh, need, she's gorgeous, like Nefertiti. Like you don't let us fucking forget that, right? But she doesn't need a romantic partner because she's still badass and cool. Right, probably because of all those stereotypes about, like, the strength of black women and stuff. So make her a lesbian. Give her a cool kick-ass girlfriend. Well, uh, LJ still doesn't know the gays exist. You Someday, Lisa Jane, I'm coming for you, and I'm going to ask if you know <laughs> the gays exist. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna walk up to you, and I'm just going to hold a pride flag right in your face. Do you know what this, Do you is, know what this is, Lisa? Do you, Do you know? Because, like, <laughs> you live in California. I hope you fucking know. <laughs> I know. There were so many California jokes in this book, and I was like, LJ, what are you venting? Like, what are you getting out of yourself? (sighs) Anyway. My kingdom for her being at a convention. You and I will fucking fly there. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? I cannot imagine talking to LJ Smith, especially now. She's like an old lady. I would feel like such a jerk. I'd do it. 
<laughs> All right, that's why we're not flying to this convention. I don't care if she's at a fucking bookshop for one day signing books. I will go there. <laughs> I'll I'll just be like, I'll hold up all her books be like, see all these books? I've read them. Where are the gays, Lisa Jane? <laughs> they existed in the 90s. Where are they? You just walked up to her and slammed her been game down on the table like, where are the gays, Lisa? <laughs> this book is otherwise really good if you just took Summer out and put in some gays. Swak at least I have some notes. I have some notes. <laughs> On this book he wrote 30 years ago. <laughs> it was very successful, but I, I don't want any authors to listen to our podcast, but frankly, <laughs> Lisa Jane Smith needs to hear this shit. Oh my god. You're gonna fly over there and I'm gonna be like frantically booking a flight. Just like, oh god, <laughs> I have no, to keep my life from getting Ellie, arrested. Please. Leave Ellie Smith alone. <laughs> I'm like running through the airport, just like I gotta stop him. <laughs> the world's gonna end. What? What do you mean, my friend? They're gonna talk to Lisa Jane Smith about the gays. <laughs> you don't understand. We can't let this happen. <laughs> It'll fry her brain. <laughs> you like stop up to Lisa Jane, and I just come soaring in from the side, and just like no. tackle you off screen. <laughs> and I'm like bisexuals, pansexuals, lesbians. <laughs> your hand over my mouth. <laughs> We love your books, Lisa. Goodbye. <laughs> You're dragging me out. I'm like, no. <laughs> we had the opportunity, so why'd you do that? <laughs> you enjoy the rest of your very your limited time on this earth, Lisa <laughs> Jane. Goodbye. It's, it's that, isn't it? <laughs> oh, look, okay. Oh, man. Her and Annette Curtis Klaus have some shit to answer for. Oh. Listen, you can go out to Nick Curtis class all you want. I don't give a shit. That that lady did some real vile stuff. Or she wrote some real vile stuff. So sad, because the first three books, real fun. Just don't read that last one. Just don't. Just don't. All right. Anyway, so <laughs> Caitlin moves to San Francisco. She finds a bunch of new friends who are also psychic, and they all like her, and they all bond very quickly, and they spend a few days, I guess, doing experiments until... The research assistant, Marisol, uh, does... Marisol was the most R.L. Stein part of this book. <laughs> Creeping over Caitlin's bed in the middle of the night. Super unmotivated. I yeah. don't understand what Marisol's game is. Careful, she's gonna put skeletons in your sandwiches. <laughs> Caitlin walks down for breakfast. What is this, Marisol? Where did this bone come from? <laughs> But it was very much like, you know, that that trope of uh, R.L. Stein, like ending every chapter on like a jump scare that is immediately diffused on the next page. Frankly, I was expecting that. Like once we started hitting certain things and I'm like, oh, are we going to end every chapter on on a jump scare? No, just <laughs> some of them. Right. Marisol was, I feel like Robert Robert Stein like took a pass on this and he, he, his portion was Marisol. He's like, we need to have a young Mexican gal who doesn't say much, except is spooky. Constantly described as surly. And we'll keep talking about her copper-colored hair or something. Mahogany. We'll talk about her hair a lot. And her full lips. Yep. And then, when we don't need her anymore, she can just go into a coma. It's great. <laughs> that being said... Full of mahogany hair, pouty lip. I immediately just started picturing her as the mechanic girl from Atlantis. 
Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yep. So, you know what, LJ? You did your job. That's fair. We love her. <laughs> Audrey. Audrey's her name. Audrey, yes. So, Marisol is very ominous. And, I mean, so listen, LJ does not play these people being evil like Loki. No, they're so cool. Left and right, like you said. She's just like, listen, they're evil. We all know it. And I think that's why it was so weird, though. Because <laughs> Caitlin's like, no, it's fine. I'm like, it's literally not. <laughs> it's literally not, Caitlin. Just like, catch up to me. I knew on page one when you met him. I mean, I so that being said, like, I again, I was reading this for like the 15th bajillionth time. I definitely saw all the places where L.J. Smith was just like, yeah, they're, they're evil. Like, he's, he's described evil. He walked in evilly. Like, I'm not right? playing. He's got a black limousine. Just steeple your hands and cackle like Mr. Burns already. I mean, like, he immediately starts talking about a master race. So she's not being right? subtle. He's Magneto. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, no, for sure. He was the Professor X stand-in but with magneto mm-hmm. intentions i feel like it's not even a professor x stand-in because he doesn't even have like a relationship with the kids at all he's just like this this wealthy benefactor figure i mean from the sense of like he's the old man who puts the group together sure yeah and he's like here come to my my school mm-hmm. you expect maybe it's this you were expecting professor x and you got magneto <laughs> Oh, there's your problem right there. You got a Magneto. This wasn't the (laughs) Professor X you ordered. Can I, is there a way to like get them out of the house? Should I call like a company? No, no refunds. Oh, shit. So just once I have it, that's it. I'm stuck with it. I'm infested. You know, they've already made their home. They're in the walls. (laughs) They're in the the secret room. Yeah, they put their secret rooms in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, they got dogs already. No, fuck. (laughs) right yeah oh no how many doc two oh yeah no you're stuck <laughs> with them just sorry. one maybe <laughs> right? yeah no everything just about one. is so evil right which which again feels super 90s and like a captain planet villain because you're just like oh you've got money and real gold cufflinks and and you know mean coated dogs which is so not fair to the dogs but like it's it's so 90s corporate villain He's a motherfucking Ventrue, that guy. <laughs> he is. He's a Ventrue who's trying to be a Toreador. <laughs> but that being said, I I got where Caitlin was coming from, right? Because, like, as as somebody who second guesses themselves constantly, right? I Like, I got it, man. Like, you don't want to say something if you don't know. You've been paying for all your shit. You've been ostracized all your life, and now you have friends, and you don't want to blow up your spot just because, you know, you're having visions. Who even knows, like, if your visions are right? Like, I get it, kid. You you know forever, every time. But listen, when she started getting, like, real visions, she did act on them. Yes. I loved the moment where, like, he's talking and he's saying, like, weird fascist bullshit, and she's just like, my hand starts itching, like, I really want to draw but i can't right now i need to like pay attention to this dude and i'm like oh that was so important whatever it is you just missed sorry right that's lj being like remember this it'll be important yeah and i'm like i don't have to i'm right here right now i watched it <laughs> right but uh marisol is trying to warn her she's real bad at it 
She's, well, like, what does she even want? No, nobody knows. She she keeps sending notes, like, saying that she should leave. Right. And then immediately getting caught with and them. And then be like, so, ha like, you're so dumb. Uh. These are such mixed messages. Like, And it felt like it was just prolonging the inevitable. Like, just, just tell her. Just be like, sit her down. And also, like, why did you go to her? Why didn't you go to Anna? But I know, it's because she's got main character syndrome. Yeah, but, like, yeah. Go in there, turn the lights on, and be like, you two need to pack and get out of here right now. Yeah, or just send her a note that, like, Explains makes shit, sense. Right? Yeah. Like, you saw what happened. And be like, yeah, there were other people, other girls, and they died. So, like, uh, the reason I stuck around is to warn the next groups. Make her an ally instead of, like... Such a flippant, like, <laughs> you think you're so smart. You're not. She's just so shitty. Like, I don't understand why she's so shitty. Because we needed to fill pages. It really is. I think that Marisol and the instant love between Caitlin and Rob are, like, the worst structurally written parts of the book. Agreed. Because there's, there's just no motivation for the way that Marisol acts. The, the only way that it makes sense is to prolong the book, which is bad. Yes. And the same with Rob. Like, the only reason that that makes sense is because you've been reading 200 pages and it <laughs> feels like a longer stretch of time than four days. Like, Correct. But, like, for I was so willing to go there for a little bit with Caitlin because I was like, oh, Caitlin is having her first crush. Okay. Yeah. I get that. You 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 feel like you're in love. Like, you're, you're a teenager. Like, love. But then, like... Lisa Jane makes it canon, and I'm like, Lisa. Oh, God, right? Like, I feel like Rob ends up going against his nature. And it's like, why can't she have just, like, chased Rob for three books and then ended up with him or Gabriel or whatever? Like, I really feel like I'm way too bitter and anti this kind of romance for these books anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That I just run into them and I'm like, this is pointless. This is ridiculous. This is not how people work. Like, I'm not the target audience for this book in that way. No, no for sure. I, I felt bad because, like, I got to the end of the book where her and Rob are, like, psychically connecting or whatever for the first time. Were you like, and I was like, hate this? Oh, no. I was like, oh, I told Ollie there weren't soulmates in this book. But I feel like Lisa Jane has proven me a you liar. Just, yeah, you forgot. It's fine. That's actually <laughs> the one thing I can remember about Secret Circle with the whole, like, seeing the dude... And feeling connected to him right away mm -hmm. and forever and ever. That's what that felt like in that moment with her and Rob. At least Secret Circle felt like it established it specifically, like the silver cord and stuff. Granted, they don't explain that till the third book. So like there's there's time. But like the thing with her and Rob like psychically connecting, I was like, I did not remember this. And mm. it feels weird. Yeah. Like you said, you you told me there were not soulmates so you would think that the way that this book ends would have stood out for you right i feel like yet again lisa jane is like iterating on herself and she's just getting closer and closer to the kind of soulmates that we're gonna finally see in the next series and i mm -hmm. feel like this is yet again just one more step like we had the, the silver cord and secret circle and now we've got this, and it's all just, like, pieces of what being soulmates is in the Night World series. Yeah, she... That is the aspect about reading an author's backlist that is always... Uh, whether enjoyable is the right word, but, like, fascinating, at least. Mm-hmm. 
because you can go, oh, you're you're getting to something. You have something to say, and you've almost said it. <laughs> so we're getting there, so close, so close. I'm actually very curious about that with regards to Gabriel. But let's finish this. Okay, so yeah, yeah. they figure out that there was a study before uh, this this study involving them because they're taken here to they're taken to San Francisco to be studied. They do spend the afternoons doing a bunch of tests to test their psychic powers. Like each kid has a different power. Um, what powers do they have, Senna? Caitlin, we've discussed. Um, Rob, her golden love interest, is able to psychically heal people. He, like, channels energy. Um, her roommate, Anna, can talk to animals because LJ is racist. Yeah. Um, their other roommate, Lewis, has telekinesis. Dude, he needs his MTV. <laughs> he is such a 90s character. Yeah. Um, and then Gabriel can her silver love interest the right the the dark one (laughs) but he's still white don't worry yeah it's fine gabriel they're sort of vague about his powers but he basically like connects to people and drains their energy he's a rogue except he doesn't get like their powers he just gets their energy yeah he can like psychically talk to people telepath i think they say at one point he has a lot of gabriel has a lot of stuff going on because he can like tap into your energy and drain you he can talk to you in your head if he connects to you he can project his own thoughts like gabriel's a utility knife gabriel's lj's utility knife (laughs) he's what makes this group dangerous (laughs) he's the stabby one everybody else is all clouds and sunshine and gabriel is just there standing behind them like with a dark aura (laughs) and a knife he's like i've killed a man (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'll do it again with this knife. <laughs> so they discover eventually that the people who are running the experiment, the the old man who funds it is obviously a fascist. Like he's not even yeah subtle about that. The fucking words on the page are just like, you deserve more than other people because you're special. Like, uh, right. oh, wow. Okay. And he uh, is wanting, they eventually find that he is wanting to sort of train them and then contract them out as like spies and assassins and very, very 90s, 90s kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So they all figure this out and they're not really sure what to do about it. And while they're figuring this out, Gabriel, uh, in a panic, in an effort to save them, establishes a telepathic link with them, which sticks. So now they are all constantly sort of able to project thoughts and read each other's like emotions. And they can kind of shutter themselves off, they find, but it's, it's difficult. Yeah. They like get into her dream at one point. Yeah, they all go into Caitlin's dream. They all connect with Gabriel and find out that he's he's not as cold as he pretends to be. And they they find out that they cannot break the link between them. The only way that they can break it is if one of them dies, as far as they know. Right, currently. And I'm looking at that, I'm like, you're going to find a way, but whatever. <laughs> so... Uh, Gabriel, who is very uninterested in the kind of connection that they have, the, like the exposure that it brings on him, he he reaches out to Mr. Zetas 
to try to arrange something. And Caitlin sees him and she invites herself along and surprise, it's the end. (laughs) They find out that Mr. Zetas has a crystal in the basement of his mansion and it's an obscene crystal. Oh, yeah. It's got like weird other crystals coming out of it. Like, oh, okay. I I love like the disgust with which LJ describes what is just a crystal. Fucking crystal, right? Like it's a crystal. <laughs> no, like, it's a gross crystal. Like he's got growths <laughs> on it. Uh, okay. It's like crystal. crystals grow on yeah. other crystals, LJ. That, that's a crystal. Yeah. But it does its job, right? Like you think of this crystal and you're like, oh, it must be like gross and like nasty. And then you read like a description of it and you're like, oh, it's just a crystal. But yeah. LJ has told me otherwise. <laughs> So f- this crystal is like a a big storage facility for psychic power. And Mr. Zetas decides that they are useless with this psychic link that they have because it nullifies Gabriel's ability to link with other people, which is his entire value as a human being. He's clearly the most valuable one. Yes, he obviously has the best power. I mean, no, he doesn't have the best power, but he well, has the, for the most sellable power. Yeah. Yeah. I So my favorite part of this whole conflict at the end, right, is that Gabriel is like, I'm going to fucking rogue you. Watch out. <laughs> and Mr. Zetas is like, well, I have a gun. So <laughs> what are you going to do? Bring in a psychic to a gunfight. I, yes. <laughs> run a gun to this psychic fight and you know what gun wins totally um i think what happens is that he is like he tells gabriel to kill caitlin to break yes. the link yes and gabriel says no so oh, he's like, oh, okay that's, that's, a shame. that's fair that's fair yeah you kill gabriel because you're like ah i see you've already gone off the rails Right, you're you're not going to cooperate anyway. I'll I'll kill you, I'll kill both of you, and then we'll see if we can salvage like the rest of the group. Yeah. So he attempts to kill both of them by affixing Gabriel to the crystal and like trying to fucking blow out his brain because crystals can store energy. Yeah. So like, if you touch this crystal, it fries your mind. That's what happened to the last group. Mm-hmm. And so Gabriel takes it upon himself to shelter Caitlin from the worst of the pain. But it's still pretty bad for both of them. But they are able to reach out to the rest of the group through the power of the crystal and sort of, you know, send out a message in Yeah, because it, like, boosts his, ener- his, uh, his power. Yes. Because when she was having a little crystal on her forehead during some testing, she was able to talk to Gabriel, like, blocks away. Right, yeah, and that was just a little chip of the crystal. Yeah. So uh, they reach out to the group, they tell them where they are, the group busts in eventually, and they get into a fight. Once again, knife beats literally every psychic power in the room, (laughs) or not knife, gun beats literally every psychic power in the room. Even though, let me just take a moment to be upset that I thought Lewis's psychokinetic abilities were going to come in handy here since he can quite literally move things with his mind but gabe or not gabriel but lewis has also said that he can barely do anything with it so fair still would have been a great moment it, it would I'm, I'm sure it's coming right like there are three more books i'm sure lewis will eventually do something cool <laughs> so 
Uh, they're in a big fight. They're fighting Mr. Zetus, the dogs. They find out that Joyce was in on it as well, even though they didn't initially think that. And they're just about to get eaten and shot. And Gabriel uses the power of the crystal question mark to basically psychically EMP everybody in the room. <laughs> he just fries the brains of like everyone who is evil. Killing the dogs. That was great. Yeah, that was sad. So he knocks Joyce and Mr. Zetus out. They get out of the house. They all gather together to heal Gabriel. And then they decide that they are going to run away because Mr. Zetus is not dead and will surely pursue them. So they decide that they need to find the location that Caitlin has been dreaming about uh, because they believe that those people will be able to help them. Because there was some random ass dude way back at the beginning at the airport who was like trying to talk to her. Right. Okay. Caitlin says, as she thinks back on it, well, he never attacked me. And I'm like, Caitlin. Yeah, he dragged Yes, he did. Yeah. He absolutely did. This man, whoever he is, not a good communicator. (laughs) Why did you send him and not someone else to be like, hello, I'm here to pick you up? I feel like he is also a Bob edition. (laughs) Yeah. Because anytime he's shown up, it's just been a jump scare at the end. Yeah, there are so many parts of this book that don't work logically because with the motivations that they have, they should not be behaving the way that they do. And him and Marisol are like, they make no sense. (laughs) Why do we even have you? So yeah, that, that is the end. They resolve to go and find this place together. The end. Not the end, because there are still two more the books. first third. Yes. <laughs> All right. So the most interesting thing that I took from this was Gabriel as uh, an iteration of Damien and Julian. Lightly of Julian. Julian does it way better. There are so many turns of phrases and action. So like one of the questions that I had going into LJ Smith's backlist, one of the assumptions that I made was that all of her heroines were going to feel the same, Mm. but I am finding that most of the heroines feel very different. Yeah. But (laughs) these bad boys. (laughs) Bad boys. (laughs) These bad boys. They're they're all just her trying to make Damien work in her head. And since we know that that was her (laughs) personal goal for Elena, like, she just can't get that out of her teeth. It's so interesting because... Gabriel feels very Julian and Damien or Damon light, right? Like he is not as powerful as either of them, but he still makes it weird, right? Yeah, but he's still a threat, right? Like she makes it clear from the beginning he's killed people. He has the ability to very easily like hurt people with his powers, like and has uh, self defense. (laughs) He did a rogue the first time, and then self defense the second time. Right, like they, like LJ makes it very clear, like he's not a bad guy. He's not. Thank God, he's yeah. not a fucking Damon. Right, yeah. he's not a serial killer. <laughs> he likes to pretend that he would be if given the choice. <laughs> yeah, he does, and I think it's it's interesting the way that he does play off Caitlyn in this respect is like he is very self-centered self-motivated like he has to look out for himself because nobody else ever has it's very sad and tragic Mm. but like the way that he is willing to like sort of sell them out to break the link and stuff yeah i wonder what would have happened if she hadn't gone along with him right 
But there's just like interesting stuff in the way that she characterizes Gabriel as like somebody who wants like material things, right? Like they talk about that a lot. Yeah. So like there's some interesting things to him, but man, does he feel like a watered down Julian and Damien. Yeah. Like I I got the whole sense of him wanting to be not as a tough boy exterior as he's showing which felt very Julian. Mm-hmm. There was just, there was so much about him that felt like an act, and not all of it actually was, I think, the writer's intention. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, some of it is, oh yeah, this is this is the act that he puts on so that people won't get close to him. But then others were like, could this kid just, like, chill the fuck out? I don't, I don't think the writer knows how to let him be a kid, because he's a kid. You know, it's not like Damon, who is a several hundred year old vampire, or Julian, who is a <laughs> millennia's old ice god, you know? Yeah. He should feel more different than he does. He made me feel like it would have been a lot more interesting if all of the kids had similar backgrounds, so that they could have all been on that kind of same playing field. Like, he felt thrown in there. You're like, how do I make him a bad boy? Oh, he's killed people, but not on purpose. He's been in prison. <laughs> you know, like... It was weird. I don't I don't dislike him. I was really glad that he chose to not kill Caitlyn. Because <laughs> um, I, I didn't know until that moment. I'm like, what is he going to do? Oh, a, a comment related to him. We saw like two chapters, chunks of chapters from his perspective, not even full chapters. Mm-hmm. And then never again. Mm-hmm. And there were at least two times towards the end where it's like, we could be in Gabriel's perspective for this. It would be more mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, those little snippets were clearly just LJ trying to be like, no, no, guys, don't worry. He's, He's not, not really a murderer. Really. Well, yeah. So I kept thinking, you know, early on after we got the first one, I'm like, oh, maybe we'll get one from Rob's perspective. Nope. And <laughs> then I'm like, all right, well, then we've seen two from his perspective. Why not a third? Why not a fourth? Like, it was... Again, where I wanted to be like, this is a first draft. But for right now, I look at him and go, I'm still not sure you won't sell them out. Mm-hmm. Especially if we'll get the connection gone. He feels very much like a really grumpy cat. <laughs> who is uh-huh. like trapped in a room with no furniture. Or at least no furniture <laughs> he can hide behind. And everyone's like, oh, come on out, we can see you, you're so fluffy, let's go. And he's like, oh my god. Oh my god, these people want to pet me. Yeah, you're all trying to touch me. Stop. I just want to sit in the sunlight, but don't see that I'm sitting in the sunlight. (laughs) Don't see that I'm enjoying literally anything. Right, like don't comment on how cute I am in the sunlight. It's like, oh, this is disgusting. I hate all of you. (laughs) Give me more kibbles. I did enjoy uh, the way that it felt like that fourth Vampire Diaries, right, where Damon is working with the teenagers and everybody's like, oh, you know, once they once they get like their link, right? Everybody is like, oh, Gabriel's not as bad as we thought he was. He actually is like a tortured little boy. Yeah. And it felt like Gabriel was like Damon in that that fourth Vampire Diaries book, just trying so hard to like retain <laughs> any sense of threat. Yeah, no, for sure. It. God, it was so necessary, though, because even if, like, I didn't hate Gabriel mm-hmm. at any point, um, I hated Rob's reactions to him. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I really, really needed that psychic link that made Rob chill the fuck out because it was mm-hmm. it was awful. It was like every time he was a snarky asshole about it, I'm like, who's this serving? Who, who are you <laughs> helping? And that felt really like against the character I was presented of Rob, who was like this mm-hmm. person who wanted to help people and like was nice to people. And it just honestly reminded me so much of like the guys that I have dated who are so nice to girls mm-hmm. and then like just pricks to other dudes who might be a threat. And like Rob was nice enough to Lewis. And I'm like, I see you. I know you. <laughs> that was another thing that I was curious about. Cause like Rob feels like not quite a Matt, but like definitely on that same side of the LJ Smith dude spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I was curious if you would you would be as attached to Rob as you were to Matt. No. Not <laughs> at all. And I think that if if Rob had just been a good boy who was just so nice to everyone, and like if Gabriel was the one being like, Oh god, it's Rob, he's unsufferable, like he's just so nice and he's like, even though you killed that girl, I know I know you must not have meant it, blah blah blah. <laughs> like he could have been a Matt for me. Mm-hmm. But he's not. He just jumps to these <laughs> conclusions. He just hates Gabriel on sight. It's just this pissing contest as soon as the two of them are ever in the room together. No. Zero Matt Honeycutt vibes. <laughs> Do okay. not ship him with anyone. All right. Marking marking that down. <laughs> it's sad because I, I feel like he's two characters. Mm-hmm. He's like this good boy who also doesn't like show any interest in girls. <laughs> But is very nice to girls and stuff like that, and is nice to Lewis. Mm-hmm. But then there's this other dude who's, like, just a dick to Gabriel. And I'm like, these don't mesh. This character who kind of reads like he had, you know, like... Because he had brain injury, a traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. He feels so different when he's being a shit to Gabriel. And it's like, that's that's those don't compute for me. Yeah, fair enough. I was curious, there's some, so the way that the main conflict between Caitlin and Rob for the first half-ish of the book is that there's some really weird language around Rob and the way that he relates to girls. Oh, you mean females? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. They Joyce talks about how he got his powers after he had a traumatic brain injury and that when he woke back up, he was different. He's very autistic coded. Yeah, and she she says that he doesn't and I quote understand what girls are for. Yeah, I did not like that either. It's like, yo, let the kid just not be interested in dating or fucking or kissing or whatever like right maybe he's gay lisa jane do you think about that no no she didn't like there's a lot of very like ace phobic bullshit there yeah is is definitely very rough in the cold light of 2020 yeah too because caitlin's whole thing from then on is like so in order for me to get what i want which is to date rob i need to change him Yeah, I need to engineer scenarios in which he may understand what girls are for. And it's like, I looked at that and go, why don't you just go, hey, Rob, um, 
You're cute, and I would like to maybe, like, go on a date with you. Would you come to the movies with me? Like, you could just fucking ask him. You don't have to manipulate him into these situations. Like, I think that I also didn't like about Caitlin. That's not how sitcoms work, Ollie. In sitcoms, you have to fucking arrange scenarios. (laughs) This is very, um, Elena Gilbert sending herself flowers. Oh my god, it was. I hated it. Because also, again, she fell in love with him instantly. It was by the end of the night where she's like confessing to Anna how she feels about Rob. And I'm like, dude, like literally your tits calm them. <laughs> Chill the fuck out. You just met a cute boy. I like how she went to the house and she's like, Ugh, I hope Anna isn't boy crazy. And then the and first she's thing she does the is like, who is? I wanted to smack her. It's just, it's not <laughs> fair to rob Mm -hmm. it's not fair to the audience like i was expecting to enjoy caitlin more than i did because of who she was set up to be and then as soon as there was a boy for her to like fawn all over i'm like oh you lost me yeah because that that is really all that she gets to do after they get to the institute i mean obviously why it spreads out so long like again you could have just been like hey we did our testing we got to know each other Rob's interesting. Rob treats me like I'm a sister. He treats Anna like she's a sister. Lewis like he's a brother. Everybody's just family to him. This is a Southern thing. And then like to connect and be like, oh my God, I'm connecting to him and I feel this way and whatever. Like you didn't have to jumpstart it so hard. Lisa Jane was like, if I don't put in a heterosexual romance, they might not understand (laughs) that this is a book, in fact, about heterosexual romances. Oh my God. Like seriously, just... Let your audience see it. They'll do it. They're teenagers. They'll figure it out them themselves. They'll be like, wow, Rob helped her and, and Rob's so nice and Gabriel's so broody. Ooh, which one do I want her to end up with? Why won't she notice either of them? Oh, she's starting to notice both of them. Like, no, right now you've told us it's these two. Listen, teenagers need very little encouragement. Incentive. Yeah, yeah. encouragement to ship things. Seriously. It f- this is why. It also didn't feel like it was written for teenagers, but middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're right that if I'd gone into it thinking it was a Fear Street book, I might have been still mad, but like, whatever. <laughs> you only have 120 pages, but no, you had 250. Right, right. So it's it's very weird. It also like, I know there was that, that Twitter debacle a few years probably ago about uh- like, the, the himbo, the noble himbo, <laughs> and like himbos being infantilization of men. But this genuinely feels like Rob is a child. Yeah. It's very uncomfortable, Caitlin. Like you're showing your titties to this nine year old, and I don't like it. And, and he's like, Oh no, your shirt came unbuttoned. <laughs> that would, I would love that if it was just an increasingly like ridiculous ways for Caitlyn to just sort of pop out of her shirt or something. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, but it's not. It's not what fucking happens. And it, the the more adultish, teenagerish Rob gets also listed under the douchebag who's mean to Gabriel Rob that just doesn't mm-hmm. feel like the same character. Like leave the southern charm matt type just let that be because then i would have liked him but i didn't Mm -hmm. i think it would have been fine if he was just like not that into it you don't have to be well i guess that's the other thing too a lot of ace coded characters 
get treated like their children. Mm-hmm. You either get, you know, oh, they're a robot or, oh, they're like a child. They don't understand this. And it's like, yeah, he could just not be interested in fucking. It's okay. He's 17. Leave him alone. Right. That was part of what was, was so weird about it was like, with Joyce's encouragement, like, yeah. Caitlin is being told to, like, explain to him or introduce him to, like, what girls are for. And I'm just like, It's really maybe... rapey vibes going on there. Yeah. Like, maybe we could just let Rob come to this of his own yeah. shit. Like, she could have told Caitlin about, oh, this is what happened to him. And then his power showed up. And her being like, oh, wow, you know, that's that's terrible. Without it being about, and he's so handsome and he doesn't seem to know what girls are for. It's like females don't exist around him. Uh, just, just, just trim that shit for me, okay? Right. Also, what girls are for, Lisa Jane? Really? What are they for? Really? Lisa? What? <laughs> Tell us. Are you talking about P and V sex? And the that's only all thing? they're for? <laughs> Got it. Right. There's just so much weird, gross stuff about around Robin Gatlin. And I was just like, I don't want any of this. And it was forced and it was awful. Yeah. Even Elena and Stefan had like a melodrama to them (laughs) that he at least liked her quite a lot. Right. And there was, it was ridiculous and that was fine. But this isn't ridiculous enough. It's just kind of weird and gross. Yeah. Skeezy. And I, I don't think that Lisa Jane meant it to be, because I think that, like... <laughs> she wanted it to be sexy, and it wasn't. Well, like, Rob's wholesomeness is supposed to be, like, the antidote to Caitlyn's boy cynicism, right? But imagine if he was a girl and Caitlyn was the boy. Hold on, I'm, I'm firing up my brain. Caitlyn, boy. Uh-huh. Ginger. Uh-huh. Psychic boy. Psychic boy. With a, with a cute southern blonde girl who can heal things and she's just super innocent doesn't seem to know what boys are for and now the boy this this you know psychic boy is gonna teach her he's gonna show her until she gross. finally realizes instead of just asking her out gross super gross it's super gross uh bad lj come over here put your <laughs> wrinkled hand on please go the to table. a bookstore so i can find you I'm sorry, Lisa Jane. <laughs> I'm gonna find her and be like, so we've got a list of infractions. <laughs> <laughs> one smack for every one of them. <laughs> That's a very long list. Oh yeah. You wrote a lot of books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whose fault is that, Lisa Jane? Hmm? <laughs> Let's see. What else we want to chat about with this one? Uh did you wanna talk about Anna and Lewis at all? I feel like it would be a full disservice to those characters to not stand up for them. Okay. Right. So, you know, L.J. Smith's fucking racist, and we can't deny that shit anymore. Oh, it's so much worse than I thought it would be in this one. I really didn't. I really blocked it out. It's interesting to see the ways in which her racism here differs in worse ways than it did with D. That's because D got to be a character. Yeah. Anna and Lewis are side characters like so when i first met anna and lewis i really thought lewis was gonna be one of the love interests oh okay i was like oh cool i'm like that's great she's got a chinese love interest and then she meets rob on the stairs and she's like a little put off by him at first because he just like grabs her ankle to heal it when she twists it or something and i'm like oh okay and he's like the guy she's not so sure about okay 
And then like there was a a van out front and I'm like, oh shit, is there another girl coming? That's great. (laughs) And it was Gabriel. And I'm like, oh, Lewis. Oh, Lewis. (laughs) Lewis, you just got downgraded. You're like the gay best friend, even though you're not gay. You get to just be about like computers and music and MTV and not even that good with your powers. And then obviously Anna's a Native American gal. Did they list her what tribe she's from? Yeah, they did. Okay, I was gonna say, I think they did. Um, But it comes up, you know, once. And um, meeting her, you know, like, oh, she's nice. But, like, that's her one fucking note. That Mm -hmm. she's nice. She's gentle and she makes Caitlin feel calm. And you've mentioned that, you know, she can talk to animals. Mm -hmm. And, like, she has, like, a fucking... D's grandma moment where she like yes. takes down a mask and like tells Caitlin a story about like Brother Raven or something. I'm like, ooh, we're gonna do that? Okay. <laughs> and then when she like uses her powers like the one time she actually manages to use her powers. And again, she's also not very good at this, she tells us. She like talks to the dog as like, Brother Wolf, I am dominant here. Ugh. Blah blah. I'm like, mm, my God, why are we doing this? They're just these utterly unimportant characters. And we've seen that LJ Smith can do groups. You know, like, mm-hmm. we, we saw that with Forbidden Game. From the first book, they were a group. And this one, even though we had so much unbearable motherfucking time together, <laughs> it was all wasted on Caitlin creepily chasing this boy who had no interest in anyone (laughs) other than being friends with them. Like, I can't imagine being a dude showing up at a place where you're like, cool, I'm here, I'm gonna help the world, and this girl's just chasing me. Who, you know, again, that's all Anna's here for. She's just the best friend to listen. Her beautiful, pretty, nice, gentle, animal-talking, Native American best friend. Like a sister. Specifically, by the way, Anna says that she is um, Suquamish. Uh, So I guess clap, clap to LJ for fucking picking a tribe. Like, that's more than than most people do. It's true. Yeah, no, Anna is is like a prop. Like, Anna is just a cardboard cutout that's there so that Caitlin has a girl to connect to. Because LJ Smith is so, like, up her butt about writing female friendships and not really caring about the substance of the people who are having those friendships. Yeah. Which, which like, I appreciate girls not being shitty not to each, each other. other. But Anna gets such the short end of the stick here. She doesn't have any of her own problems as far as we know by the end of this book. Yeah, we don't know shit about her or Lewis. Right? Like, we knew about Dee. We knew about Audrey. We knew about even Summer. I mean... (laughs) Fucking Summer got a great scene. Right? Like, those books were literally about those characters, like, having to be characterized, because that's, like, the premise of the book, right? You couldn't have it otherwise. (laughs) So maybe LJ was just like, no, I don't really need to do much with this girl. She just needs to kind of be here and be pretty. It's, again, it's that nice white lady thing of, like... Oh, you're you're a Suquamish. That means that you're like very wise and good with animals and just so pretty. I love you. Yeah. And of course, like there is zero way 
for us to see this girl having an l- actual lived experience of someone who is indigenous in the 90s. Right, like, yeah. The history she may have, whether it's, like, got a lot of positives or a lot of negatives that have happened, we don't mm-hmm. know. Lisa Jane wouldn't have done it well. Right, and, you know, as she is, she's a magical Native American girl. Like, yeah. it's literally her function in the story is to give Anna, or to give Caitlin advice and to <laughs> guide her in her troubles. It's really just a heinous use of your characters of color, Lisa. Yep. And even Lewis, like, you thought that he was a love interest before Gabriel yeah. was introduced. She meets him and he's great. But even the way that she, like, talks about him is very, like, desexualizing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas Rob is instantly sexualized. Right. And even Gabriel, she talks about how handsome Gabriel is. All she says about Lewis is that he's neat. Like, small and neat. So even that is, like, part of this long tradition of desexualizing Asian men. Yeah, exactly. I was like, this is just that thing that everyone's been talking about for a very long time and you're still doing it this is this is so of its time in the worst way yeah i just wanted better after having read forbidden game i just wanted better because we had two people of color and then everybody else is white and then the people in charge are white literally the only other person who is a person of color gets like put in a coma because she knows too much Oh, Lisa. I didn't know what anything fucking looked like because of this bad writing, too. Let me just, like, jump into that thought. Okay. (laughs) I had such a hard time understanding what this house looked like on the inside because she Mm -hmm. was giving me specifics, but they didn't match up with anything. Uh Uh-huh. Where it was like, this thing is under the stairway and there's a hallway and... Joyce's room is right there and anyone could look into it, but across from the door is the secret door? I'm like, so how can I see directly into your room, but also there's a wall directly across from your room? I'm really confused. Maybe because this is, like, not horror, you're not being very good at describing shit, but, like, I could tell she had a very specific house in mind, Mm -hmm. but that, like, I couldn't picture it. It was just some kind of M.C. Escher bullshit in my head. (laughs) And then, like, the back area where Gabriel would test and stuff. And I was like, I can't picture it. I can picture the secret circle garage better than I can picture this house. (laughs) (sighs) So is there anything else that you wanted to touch on? I don't think so. Like I said, the farther I get from it, the less I hate it and the more I'm intrigued by it. Mm -hmm. But actually talking about it, I... I am curious, uh, what what predictions do you have for where this is going to go? What do, you, what do you think is going to happen? If I told you where this crystal is from, you wouldn't believe me. It's probably aliens. <laughs> um, I worry that somewhere in book two, Gabriel's going to sell them back out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just because how else are you going to stretch this fucking plot out for three books? Uh-huh. Obviously, I mean, and they even fucking lampshade it too. Like, Joyce and Mr. Z are still alive. We're gonna go meet the fucking cultist dude or whatever he is. Why is he in a robe? Like, why can't you just be in normal people clothes? We're gonna meet more psychics. I don't know what the fuck that's gonna be about. I'm curious if Mr. Z is also himself some kind of psychic. Like, how did he think to do this? At some point, Caitlin's gonna kiss Gabriel and be like, (laughs) oh no, maybe I also like Gabriel. 
they're going to break the link. I'd be sad for that, but I think that's going to happen. Louis and Anna are going to continue to be useless. (laughs) Rob's characterization is going to continue to be all over the place. They'll probably be on the run a bunch. So um, I really don't fucking have any idea what the plot is still. Like, that (laughs) feels weird. So those are my predictions. Now, I want to read to you mm-hmm. something about about Gen 13. Okay. Okay. All right. So the setup of the series is that a group of teens are invited to take part in a government project. This is called International Operations. So it starts there at a government internship for gifted youths. It takes place in an isolated training facility. For them, it's, like, actually more of a prison-like testing ground on, quote, gen-active teens. As their powers, like, manifest, they escape and are labeled dangerous fugitives. They rely on each other to fight their foes and unveil personal secrets that link them to something else. Um, One character tricks the group, minus their Caitlin Fairchild, to return to the base to help free other kids who were being tested. And upon their return, they're apprehended for further testing. Finally, the kids escape. They retreat to La Jolla, California, and officially form a group to oppose the international operations and their violent counterpart of, of psychics or whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gen Active Teens. <laughs> so I'm still getting my string board here. Because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, the the guy who brought them there was evil. You know, they're at this, like, government internship. I'm like, oh, that matches up well enough. You know, it's in an isolated training facility. I'm like, well, no, they get to go to school. But, you know, they're still, like, at a fucking training facility. They're fleeing. They're going, like, they're already in California, but, like, specifically the idea of, like, and they're going to La Jolla, California. And it's, like, a hilly seaside neighborhood in the city of San Diego. And it's, like, a picture of, like, cliffs on the ocean. So, I don't know if they're heading to, like, Seattle or something, but whatever. The matchups are still fucking driving me wild. It's enough <laughs> that I'm like, this is just genre. But, like, how much of that was written after? Because I thought we established in the intro that... Oh, no. I'm not saying at this point that, like, she stole it. Oh, just that the, the conventions are similar? It's just so genre. Like, this is just how this goes. I feel like this is the, in the same way that Gabriel's the watered-down Julian and Damon, Mm -hmm. this is watered-down Gen 13, because, like, the stakes are not that high. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that might be part of it, on why this book was just so boring for me. There were no motherfucking stakes until they got in that car. Yeah. And at the end, the stakes are still, like, why should I give a fuck? The only person I've met is your dad, Caitlin. I don't know these kids. I spent 250 pages reading this book. <laughs> and, like, I also don't even care about your dad. <laughs> you don't care about your... Not that you hate him, but, like, you don't care. Yeah, a, a lot of this feels like uh, LJ at her most plot contrivious. Like, yeah. I wonder, like, there's... This This book is so new agey. Like, they talk about energy and key. Oh, and right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crystals and, like, the way that uh, Rob does his his healing is very like reiki-ish you know <laughs> even fucking like lewis talks about it where he's just like wow i didn't think that this was real you know my culture talks about it too he's like oh of course right it just it all feels so 
like new age hippie. Well, like Joyce showing up and being like, isn't it great? You're psychic. We're going to go to California. It's going to be so good. And this is like, wow, you are unbearably new agey. Like I've said the word unbearable so much this podcast, but it's all true. <laughs> it's just very, I wonder how much of this is like, I got really into crystals. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, did you know, like stores energy? I, I wish we knew anything about, like, why Lisa Chain wrote these books, you know? <laughs> and because there's nothing out there, we don't know. We don't. We don't. Well, uh, Ollie, would you recommend this book? Not currently. And because, like, we've only read a third of this story, so I have no fucking clue, like, what it is. I don't anticipate that I would want to recommend this to anybody. Mm-hmm. Because the writing is awful, and the whole problem of, like, Caitlin being a creeper on Rob, <laughs> and how much that eats the motherfucking plot, is like, what do I say? Hey, read, like, the opener, and then, like, meet all the characters, and, like, skip to page 200. Like, no. <laughs> that's not a book to read. Mm -hmm. So, I don't feel like there's a book to recommend currently. And mm -hmm. even if, you know... The next two books are super cool and I love it. I have to remember how it fucking starts. <laughs> you have to remember how you felt. Yeah. Right? Because you didn't remember any of this and you've read it multiple times. Yeah. Oh, can I tell you? The psychic link, you know, the big set piece of this book in this series? Yeah. Totally forgot. <laughs> what did you totally remember? Forgot. I, I don't want to ask you because what you probably remember is the overarching. Like I remember Gabriel. That's what I remember. And did That's you like him? That's the only thing... That mattered, Ollie. I remembered Gabriel. Yes, obviously. Okay, because you were super excited <laughs> for me to read this. And, like, once I realized I was not liking it, I'm like, I have to keep all my opinions until the podcast. <laughs> no, you can, you can tell me if you don't like it. No, just because I like your reactions. I want to hear them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I know that we can. I don't think we've... Okay, well, so, Cinna, would you recommend this book? Um, I don't know. See, the problem is that... I have, like, a vague memory of how the story goes. So, like, when I finish it, I wanted to keep going because I knew that there was stuff that I remembered liking coming up. Okay. So, uh, this book, like, definitely, as we've discussed, extremely clunky, awkwardly racist, weird dynamics between Rob and Caitlin. Mm. But I remember enjoying the stuff that comes after so i don't know i feel like i'm tbd right like i feel like we have to yeah. see the whole thing before i'm like is that first book worth it idk idk <laughs> yeah we're both at not sure need more info yours is i feel like i remember this being better later and mine is don't you dare let me forget how it begins. <laughs> Never forget. Never fucking I was forget. there. <laughs> I know the deep magic switch. <laughs> okay, well then. That's this book, and next time we will talk about the super boringly named The Possessed. Extremely boring. Uh, as far as I remember, utterly irrelevant. The whole, the whole fucking thing, or just The Possessed? The, the title. Okay, okay. 
All right, volume two of Dark Visions coming at you next time. I'm Ollie. You can find me on Twitter at Olivia Hennis. You can also find the podcast there at Backlist Podcast. And how about you? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Endless underscore Run. You can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Backlist and Chill, uh, where if you are a patron, you can get the episode early. Yeah, and... Meanwhile, if you're chilling out on Spotify, come listen to us there. Mm-hmm. And definitely chat to us on Twitter if you know these books. Cause yes, please. I didn't. Come and influence us. <laughs> All right. See y'all next time. Bye.